who goes and who stays, and I say you go. You've only been here six hours, and I already know your trouble. Take a look on the flagpole and salute your shorts. Oh, that's nice, bud. Nick, hey, you keep up the good work, all right? Take it. Greetings, campers, and welcome to Splat Attack, a podcast that overflows into the Slimefield past. I'm your fresh-off-the-bus new kid, Brett. And I'm your cool kid, salami-wielding camper, Alex. And Brett! Yes? What brings us back to Camp Onawana this summer? Well, I've been feeling a bit nostalgic for Salute Your Shorts ever since we did the Cursed Skull episode review over on Patreon. And uh, with summer camp in full swing this season, I figured it would be best to pack my things and head to the happiest place on earth so I can make friends, sing songs, and hopefully avoid the dreaded awful waffle. Uh, You're a fairly cool kid. I'm sure you'll make friends with lots of people once you settle in your bunk and pick some fun activities to attend. I mean, let's let's hope. This guy with a red-haired mullet and his large friend are giving me some weird looks from across the street. Ooh, does anyone have a map to my bunk so I can unpack already? I do. Oh, oh, is that who I think it is? It's Justin. Hey, Justin, welcome back to Camp Anawana with us. Uh, what up? What brings you back? How are you doing? Well, I just felt the need to get away from my family for a couple months. It's hard enough spending all my time with them after school. But now that school's out, my life, it's all about girls, guitars, and great fun at Camp Onawana. <laughs> Definitely three things worth uh, pursuing while at summer camp. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, well, we're happy to have you back, my friends. This is going to be a fun-filled episode battle. I just know it. Uh, but before we suit up for war, what are some of your favorite summer camp memories, if you have any, guys? Justin, do you have any camp, uh, summer camp memories? No, I've never attended camp, but um, I guess living vicariously through this show, I felt like I was there. <laughs> It often feels that way. Let's see. I, I can I can pull several, but I'm not going to because well, I, I could be here all day just talking about summer camp because I had mentioned it in our uh, Versus episode with uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. But uh, I used to go to summer camp when I was a kid, and I didn't stop going until I became an adult. But uh, the, the reason for that was I went to school as a, I went to camp as a camper. And then I was too old to be a camper, and then I went as a camp counselor. And then I went back again as an adult as the guest speaker, because this is a Christian camp, obviously. Uh, I mean, you guys have heard me talk several times about going to church. And um, I remember being uh, excited going to kids' camp as a kid, because this wasn't like most kids' camps that I would think of. I mean, it, the the bunk was almost like a college dorm uh, because it was a two-story building, but that was just the rooms and there were three bunk beds within the room. So you'd have five camp, five campers and one counselor. And then there was a, a big uh, mess hall, but it was, it was all 
breaks. It almost looked like a school cafeteria. And there was a gymnasium and a swimming pool and all uh, a couple of classrooms. So that way you could get in from out of the heat. You could go inside and play like pool and uh, uh, board games and things like that. But there was a lot of outdoor activities. And I really, really dug doing the outdoor stuff. I learned how to tie knots and make your own rope ladders and things like that. But uh, as a counselor, one of my favorite things to do was wake the kids up. <laughs> uh, because I had I had a pretty good group of kids every single year, but I always got those two, and it was the same two kids every year, and they were from my church, and they were the ones that were tough to get up in the morning because uh, they were so wore out. The others, they would get up the second I told them, all right, it's time to get up, guys, and they were fine. But this one, especially Levi, that kid, he would do that thing where he would roll over, ignore me, so day number one, I was like, all right, come on. And I'd keep nudging him. Day number two, all right, if you don't get up, I'm going to start getting mean. Day number three, I grabbed the pillow and I yeeted it out from under his head. So his head went bonk right up against the mattress. And he shot up when that happened. And I plowed him in the face with the pillow and knocked him back down. And all the kids are hack. Of course, he was laughing too because we roughhouse all the time because, you know, we're boys. And now he's laughing. I said, yeah, get up. The next day, I turned the AC up really low uh, or high, however you want to look at it. So I went to go take a shower because I'd go shower before all the boys did. And then I would come back and then wake them all up. Now the room is cold. Though the boys would get up, except him. And I would pull the bed covers off, all of them. And he and he only slept in shorts. And he would he hated that. He was like, oh, get my covers. I'm like, no, get your clothes on. Okay. But the last day was the day the water came out. And, and uh, I said, if you don't get up, I, I will baptize you in the bed. And he said, no, you won't. You, you going to test me on this? And all the other boys are going, do it. Alex, go do it. Go get the water. So you you watch him. Make sure he keep an eye on him. He goes, okay. And I came back with a, a big old like Tupperware thing full of water and whoosh, all over him. And he jumped out of bed and was like, oh, I told you, get up. But uh, the the last time when I went as a, as a as a guest speaker, that was really cool because I went as a character. And the uh, children's pastor was just himself. I was as a character, and it got to the point where all the ki- all the other kids were chanting my character's name to come out once it got started, and that was that was just, it was cool. Awesome! Wow, it sounds like you had a lot of memories to uh, enjoy over at a camp with the uh, the fellow campers there. I did. I had a great time. Cool. Well, my um, my summer camp experience is slightly more limited, but it still has a lot of memories for me because I was a Boy Scout and later Eagle Scout growing up. Um, I joined mainly because of Are You Afraid of the Dark and Salute Your Shorts because I wanted to tell stories around the campfire and I wanted to make friends at camp just like, you know, Michael did in, in my particular episode. So I took from his example and joined Scouts in first grade. and. Uh, I went to like Camp Tadma and Camp Mattituck in Connecticut growing up. I don't know if they're still there, but they're like in the more wooded parts of those areas. And uh, I just remember like being so excited that I was able to rough it um, with other other scouts around my age and do all the fun activities like archery and rifle range and like swimming, uh, environmental science, that 
sort of thing, cooking too. Um, I don't I don't have any specific memories that come to mind. Of course, when I try to think of it, all of them elude me. <laughs> um, but I, I do remember doing like a like a secret society esque tribal council uh, thing to get my order of the arrow sash, which was like a secret side tangent of Boy Scouts where you you do different types of activities with much older scouts uh, in order to be initiated in their exclusive side club. Uh, anyone who's also been in Boy Scouts and Rose for the Ranks would know about this. I'm not just making it up. <laughs> and so I remember like we had the we had to show up at the lodge after the mess hall was cleared off for dinner and we had to do like a secret knock to get in to the door because they had to make sure that not just anyone was showing up. And uh, we, met, we met a bunch of imposing looking adults at one of the corner uh, tables there. And they just kind of led us through the back on this little trail into the woods. And then they had to blindfold us to get past a certain point uh, to see if we were worthy enough to get to their secret spot where the ritual is being held. And after we repeated some words and an, and an oath, um, we ended up being inducted. and. It, it was pretty fun to meet everyone who I didn't expect to end up in the in the Order of the Arrow, Secret Society esque Boy Scout thing, uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. I I enjoy getting to know my fellow campers uh, just a little bit better. Um, just doing a lot of fun activities, goofing off. Uh, sadly, sadly, there was no Girl Scout camps around, and it was an all-boy <laughs> camp. So, aside from maybe the the nurse or one or two of the the counselors, we were we were out of luck. <laughs> so that's that's unfortunate. But at least I earned a lot of merit badges there and spent all my parents' money at the student uh, or the campers, no, the trading post. Sorry, I'm mixing it up with the student store at school. And um, I remember just buying a lot of Charleston Chew candies for like five dollars and having like contests to see who can stuff the most in their mouth and chew it and swallow it uh before they had to spit it out and i i typically won because i had a special technique to like just shove it into the side of my mouth while i'll keep on chewing so uh yeah <laughs> that's that's a fun fact no one needed to know but that's that's <laughs> what I, i'm grasping for straws with all the camp memories here to make it seem exciting that's that's what i recall uh, other than like the sing sing-alongs in the amphitheater before bed, uh, cannonball contest at the waterfront, uh, canoeing on the lake, and tipping over our scoutmasters um, when we we turned a little bit too tight. Fun, silly stuff like that. I will share one more memory now that I'm thinking about it because you had just said there was no girls around. Our ours was co-ed. Uh, like the dorm thing, the girls were on the first floor, we were on the second floor. But up to this point, I was not aware of my best asset, uh, which I later learned about uh, whenever girls became more vocal to me. Apparently, there is a feature of my body that a lot of girls really enjoyed, and I didn't know anything about this. And at one point, it was the last day of kids camp. I was a counselor and one of the older girls, as I'm walking by, said, do you know you got a J-Lo booty? Really? No, no, thank you. I appreciate that. And then I, I told uh, my, I told Megan, who at the time, we were not dating. We were just very, very good friends. And I told her that she, this little girl said that. Can you? I can't believe she told me that. And Megan went, I can. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> she wasn't fooled by the rocks that you got. <laughs> she she wasn't. So <laughs> it was it was my best asset. 
I see. <laughs> when you were saying that uh, you, you got into camp because of Are You Afraid of the Dark, I was waiting for you to go on about how the tale of the Manaha changed your life. I was going <laughs> to mention that, actually. But we just talked about that in our previous episode during our wild card segment. So I don't know if I want to tread old water here. I mean, there, there was that counselor from hell who I compared to Larry from Welcome Camp Nightmare. His name's Lonnie. And uh, he was just perpetually for everyone for no reason. He would take away people's comics. He would, he would smush kids like meatball subs. He would just talk down to kids. And I actually had a counselor who was like that at Camp Tadma when I was a much younger Boy Scout who just shouted at everyone all the time like, geez, what got up your butt, a raccoon or a squirrel? But um, he was out of salami. Yeah, that's what happens when you run out of salami. <laughs> Counselors get irritated. Uh, <laughs> thanks for bringing that that memory back, Alex. <laughs> uh, the Manaha is a brilliant piece of work, and everyone should go watch it now. Splatceptional. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, with all these memories that we've been sharing, I, I do think I hear Dr. Khan is telling us over the loudspeaker to head to the activity field. So let's grab our armor and weapons for the epic battle ahead. Let's. All right, so... Brett, I don't think we've really said just what our topic is. Yes, we're doing Salute Your Shorts, but what specifically are we addressing? Well, believe it or not, uh, if you can't tell from our backgrounds, we're doing Michael Comes to Camp versus Pinsky Comes to Camp, which are both the first episodes of their respective seasons. And they both are essentially the new kid in camp, the everyman that everyone relates to. And we're going to find out through this episode battle who is the better one. And good Lord, stop picking his nose. We're, we're not having that kind of fight here. I'm picking Pinsky. Pick Pinsky. That's a good slogan. <laughs> well, since we're talking about Michael and Pinsky, what are the two episodes that we're talking about today? More, well, I should say, what are the episode uh, details? Sure. Uh, so some basic episode info for all you Slimesters out there. Uh, Michael Comes to Camp, also known as The First Day, uh, is the first episode of season one of Salute Your Shorts, and its air date is June 1st, 1991. It was written by Steve Slavkin and directed by Peter Baldwin. And for Pinsky Comes to Camp, which is the first episode of season two of Salute Your Shorts, is also known as Goodbye Michael, Hello Pinsky. Its air date is June 1st, 1992. It was also written by Steve Slavkin and is directed by Jefferson Gibby. So Justin, uh, with all that being said before we get tongue-tied, what are our episode battle categories for today? So first we have story. A pizza. We also have main character. Pepperoni. Then we have camper hijinks and activities. Mushrooms. Memorable quotes. Bell peppers. And why my new kid at camp is better. The crust. Wow, that's quite an assortment of categories. It's very different than our, our typical ones for verses or episode battles. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how this pans out. Alrighty, well, I guess I'll start with story now. Pizza. Uh, for Michael Comes to Camp. The story begins with Dina and some girls setting up a welcome banner over the camp Anawana entrance sign. Just as they adjust it to the right height, a school bus rams right through it, tearing up the banner in the process. Dina gets flustered and we shift to the bus door opening and unloading campers once Dr. Khan announces the start of the camp season over the loudspeaker. 
One of the boys wearing an open button-up shirt and peach-colored t-shirt runs into another camper wearing an official Camp Anawana t-shirt, kind of like the one I'm wearing right now. This is Michael interacting with Sponge, and after exchanging some dialogue, they quickly become friends. Sponge warns Michael of all the things that bite at camp, and once they see the bus roll away, the camp bully Budnick and his lackey donkey lips proceed to pilfer Michael's duffel bag and run his green and red boxer shorts up the flagpole as their way of saying, welcome to camp. While Michael groans in embarrassment and the girls point and laugh, Sponge encourages Michael and the other campers around them to stand at attention and salute his shorts. Cut to the iconic intro and theme song. After the intro, we see Michael settle into bunk 13, where Budnick introduces all of Michael's bunkmates, including himself. After a brief bunk tour, the new kid searches for a bunk bed. Budnick shows him one with a gross stain on it and reluctantly lays down. A moment later, the bed frame collapses and Budnick and Donkey Lips high five. Cut to Dr. Khan announcing today's activities and calling out Dina to participate this time. At the girls' bunk, we see Zizi, Dina, and Telly discuss what they've been doing, or going to do rather, at camp today. Telly expresses her excitement in playing baseball, but Dina stops her, claiming she has a fashion alert with those Coke bottle eyeglasses. Cut to the baseball field where we are introduced to counselor Kevin, quote unquote, Ugg Lee, laying down the camp rules. Budnick insults Ugg after Donkey Lips establishes the counselor's nickname and he does 20 push-ups as a punishment. The baseball game begins. While Ugg judges as the umpire, Sponge gives some advice to bat against Telly's fastball. Michael revs up and hits a hard home run. Michael dashes across the bases while Telly struggles to get her teammates to cooperate. She grabs the ball and throws it to Budnick. Before Michael can make it to third base, Budnick taunts him in a game of keep away, which develops into a wrestling match right there and then on the field. Cut to Budnick and Michael holding two buckets of water as Ugg dumps his canteen water into each of them. Just as Ugg turns and walks away, Budnick dumps one of his buckets directly on Michael, but Ugg turns around suddenly, showing he's got his eye on him. Budnick acts naturally while Michael scowls at his rival and Ugg turns around after signaling he's going to keep his eye on both of them this summer. All summer. Cut to the lodge where Dina, Telly, and Zizi sit next to Michael to get to know him. Telly comments on Michael's impressive hit, but she's referring to him punching Budnick earlier. Donkey Lips butts in, but Dina shoos him away. Donkey Lips retreats to a nearby craft table where Budnick tells him to finish his macaroni project. Donkey Lips chomps on his hard macaroni ball. Budnick devises a plan to take Michael down via the secret society. Don 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 don. Cut to Sponge recording Michael walking around camp when Budnick and Donkey Lips ambush the two, forcing them to infiltrate the girls' bunk and bring back some souvenirs along with footage of them later at night. That night, Dr. Khan wishes everyone a good night's sleep while Taps plays on the intercom. We see the girls inside their bunk prepare a series of booby traps, suspecting the guys will try to get in. Dina puts lipstick on, claiming, you can trap boys your way, and I'll trap boys my way. As the camera pans to an alarm clock reading 2, 11 a.m., we see Michael and Sponge scurry through the tall grass and into the girls' bunk, while ominous slasher music fills the air. Ugg, meanwhile, is sneaking around with a flashlight looking for campers who are breaking curfew. He hears a noise in the girls' bunk, then enters. He looks around and sees nothing suspicious, except for maybe a $5 bill hanging from a string from the ceiling. Ugg gingerly plucks it off the string, 
And then all hell breaks loose, Home Alone style. Tons of egg, whipped cream, and baked beans massacre everyone in the girls' bunk while Michael and Sponge book it in their escape back to theirs. Classical music intensely rises just as a duffel bag loaded with weights swings into Ugg, knocking him clear off his feet and into the campyard. Ugg rushes into the boys' bunk and makes the kids a deal. A milkshake and a pizza every night for the rest of the summer. If the boys confess who did this to him. None of the boys flinch, so Ugg retreats out of the bunk, mentioning various pizza toppings still uh, shaken. Once the lights are off, Budnick and Donkey Lips examine the stolen goods. Zizi's diary, Dina's makeup kit, and Telly's glasses. Budnick claims that that was a hardcore move, but unfortunately, Michael realizes he lost her glasses along the way back. The four boys agree to search for her glasses outside in the dead of night. Michael steps on them and lifts them up while Sponge pukes off screen from the adrenaline. How is he going to get out of this mess now? Budnick mentions one of the perks of being in the secret society is he can frame someone else for the crime. The next day at the lodge, the three girls confront Budnick, demanding their possessions back. Budnick denies he has them, but he knows someone else who does. Budnick points to an innocent camper nearby, who we later know as Kent Flankman, and rouses all the campers, it's awful waffle time! While animal sounds and chanting intensifies, Michael stops Flankman from being tortured under false pretenses confessing he was the person who stole and broke Telly's glasses. Everyone is flabbergasted by Michael doing the right thing. Telly, naturally, is upset, and Budnick is also upset for Michael chickening out of their plan. Budnick turns to Sponge, who retaliates by squirting him with tons of ketchup. Sponge flees the scene while the rest of the campers point and laugh at Budnick while Donkey Lips tries to calm everyone else down. But the laughing only gets louder. Back at the boys' bunk, Michael returns, hanging his head in shame. Telly confronts Michael, revealing it was a happy accident her glasses broke, since now she has to wear contacts. Thank goodness they are covered by insurance. Telly and Michael make amends and then dribble a basketball out of the bunk together. Zizi and Dina pop out from behind, each, from behind other bunks to trash the boys' bunk in toilet paper as retribution for the mess they had made earlier. Fade to credits of Sweet Sweet Camp on Awana Lake. End of the episode. Cue the voiceover. Don't forget tonight on Snick. Ren is going in space. All right, Alex, take it away with uh, Pinsky Comes to Camp. What's the story about? Well, the episode opens with a mob of campers betting on how many chicken pox Michael has, considering he's supposed to be returning to camp after a recent illness. Dina asks Sponge what is going on, and she makes a bet with Donkey Lips and Budnick once they reveal the winner gets a gallon of ice cream. Suddenly, a station wagon pulls into the dirt road near the lake where the mob of campers attack the vehicle. One of the car doors opens and Ugg steps out. Donkey Lips clamors, Hey, he's not in there! To which Ugg replies how Michael won't be returning to camp because he's going to Europe to hike in Switzerland with his parents. The campers become somber upon hearing the news. Fade to the show, iconic intro. 
We fade in to see a mock funeral dirge of all the campers walking through the camp entrance with Michael's steamer trunk as they approach the station wagon. Dina asks to ride with Ugg, presumably outside the camp, and all the main character campers, except Budnick, drop their stuff and pile into the station wagon while Ugg argues with them on the way out. Meanwhile, some classical music once again plays to match Budnick running through the woods to catch up with a station wagon. He misses them by a few feet, salutes the car, then walks back. Fade to black. We fade back in to hear the kids at the baseball field reminisce about Michael and how it's not so bad because it's like the change of seasons. We are then introduced with fanfare to our new camper, Ronnie Pinsky, who convinces Ugg to carry all of his belongings and a ton of sports equipment on the pretenses that Pinsky has back spasms that comes and goes. Ugg and Pinsky approach the baseball field, where the new kid witnesses Budnick getting an unearned, easy home run. Much like Michael comes to camp, none of the outfielders move an inch to get the baseball while Telly shouts at them to do something. Pinsky cannot allow this injustice to happen, so he dashes to grab the ball, throws it at Donkey Lips, and he catches the ball, striking Budnick out at the last moment. The kids wonder, who threw the ball? Cut to the boys' bunk, where the main campers all introduce themselves to Pinsky. Before Budnick can pound Pinsky for embarrassing him on the field, Pinsky orders his adversary to grab the football that he brought into camp. He reaches inside and pulls out a long package of Pinsky Dry Italian Salami, a delicacy all the campers fawn over, except Budnick. Budnick confronts the new kid, claiming that he didn't like his presence here and wants him to go. However, nobody backs Budnick on his demand. Before Budnick can leave the bunk, Ugg repels the camper away. Ugg then explains that since all the campers have been exposed to Michael before his chicken pox, they have to be quarantined. Uh, flashbacks. <laughs> The girls are immediately separated and sent to their bunks, and Budnick tells Pinsky which bed is his. And of course, Budnick knocks over the bed frame, similar to the previous episode, except Pinsky seems unfazed by Budnick's prank as he just focuses on eating his salami. Cut to the girls' bunk, where Ugg nails a quarantine signboard across their bunk entrance, sealing them in. Dina and the girls fantasize who else they they could get into camp on Awana if Sponge, Donkey Lips, and Budnick were sent home because of Chicken Box? They mention celebrities such as Michael Jordan, Jason Priestley, and Tom Cruise to take their places, then chant in a circle, hoping their desires become fulfilled. Meanwhile, while Ugg guards the boys' bunk outside their door on a lawn chair, he reads up on potential symptoms of Chicken Box that he might have. Meanwhile, the boys devise a plan to escape their quarantine by whistling into glass jugs, simulating a white noise capable of putting the meddling counselor to sleep. Pinsky then pours ketchup into a spray bottle, takes a piece of paper with holes poked into it, and sprays Ugg's face while he's asleep to simulate chickenpox. Budnick then blasts some music to wake Ugg up, prompting him to look in, look in his hand mirror at his own illness coming to fruition. 
Now that Ugg has scampered off to the nurse's office and no one's guarding the bunks, Sponge, Donkey Lips, and Pinsky head to the girls' bunks. Pinsky proclaims the quarantine is over, but is unable to break through the wooden sign. Telly tells him to step aside, then punches right through the sign, breaking it in half. They all agree to head to the lodge for some sodas. Over at the lodge, Pinsky stealthily maneuvers around furniture to the kitchen to grab the sodas in the pantry. Budnick shows up to warn the campers that Ugg is on his way. Pinsky exits the pantry with a box full of watermelons and bananas to face Ugg. He drops the box of produce on his foot, and then we cut to a muddy field where the, distinct, where the disgruntled counselor berates all the kids for breaking quarantine. Pinsky endures his punishment by rolling an orange with his nose in the mud. Again, he feels unfazed by the negative energy thrown at him, and cut to a bathroom where Ugg struggles to remove the red chicken pox from his face. He tries washing his face with water and a pair of blue boxers, and even a coarse toothbrush, but nothing seems to work. Later that night, Pinsky wakes up, feeling the urge to dance. Sponge warns him not to do it, but Budnick tells him to let him go so he can get caught again. The creepy slasher music from Brett's episode cues Pinsky's departure. Immediately, Pinsky bumps into Ugg outside the girl's bunk and does his best to persuade that he's not causing trouble. After a moment of some major sucking up, Pinsky reveals his salami to Ugg, which causes Ugg to become wide-eyed with amazement. Get your mind out of the gutter, Brad. And our listeners. <laughs> Ugg sniffs the salami in ecstasy. Oh. Disturbed by Pinsky's absence, the boys sneak to the lodge to witness Pinsky playing a jaunty, lively tune on the piano while the girls dance behind him. Meanwhile, we see Ugg sitting on top of the sofa where he engorges himself on a hefty salami sandwich. Budnick and Donkey Lips ponder why Pinsky is so likable and hateable at the same time, then return to their bunks. The next morning, Budnick hoists five pair of Pinsky's boxer shorts up the flagpole and calls for him to salute your shorts. The girls show up and mention all the fun, productive things that Pinsky is doing with the girls, mentioning it's like they recycled Michael into something better. The campers all gathered around the flagpole. Pinsky, unfazed yet again by Budnick's prank, salutes his shorts and grins. Then the group walks away, and Ugg shows up once again, proclaiming his love of salami to Budnick, and frustrated, Budnick just walks away from the flagpole, not understanding why Pinsky is here, or why he's better than Michael. Cue credits where the camera rises up the flagpole, with Budnick walking into the background on a dirt road. End of the episode. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Budnick at the end of your episode. He's like trying so hard to pull off the same hijinks that he did in my episode, but it's just not having the effect on Pinsky for whatever reason. Yeah. He's he's immune to his charm. It's it's such a weird aspect because all of season one we've seen, I mean we've seen people best Budnick before, but it's it's fairly short lived within the episode. I mean even Sponge bested Budnick for a time on Michael Goes to Camp. Mm -hmm. But 
it's it's a few seconds as opposed to almost the entire episode where Budnick dominates. And that's been pretty much a staple for Soldier Shorts. We see Budnick just completely owning almost every single situation he's in, even with Ugg. Uh, even when he gets punished, he's still owning Ugg for the most part. Uh, the, I mean, when he's counselor, when Budnick is counselor for an episode, he he gets uh, a heavy dose of um, being humble. But mm-hmm. for the most part, Budnick is you, no one really gets the best of him for most of the episode. And this is really the first time that we see Budnick not have anything go his way and he he wants to be in control but he's not and Pinsky just doesn't care about anything that anyone he's not going to let anyone get the best of him I mean you might have won this particular scenario but you still haven't beat his spirit and that's that's really commendable but again we'll get to that later but the, the fact that the fact that we actually get to see Budnick first of all fairly vulnerable because I think the last time we saw him vulnerable was when he and uh, Michael were in the nurse's office and they were getting yep. ice cream yep one of my favorites that's really the only time we see him get vulnerable the rest of the time he just dogs Michael the entire season and then the beginning of this season he's already starting to dog him but when he finds out he's not coming he's genuinely somber but he hides it from everybody else and he's angry with everyone else too for wanting to move on. And he doesn't want to move on. And and saluting the the station wagon as it walks away, as as they drive away, you can actually see that he's very bummed. Probably more so than anyone else. Probably because he's the only person that he had a, a true connection with throughout the season. And that's not really something that we'll address too much later in this episode, but uh, I did want to bring it up here since we're talking story because I really like the arc that Budnick went between these two episodes. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they got a Batman-Joker dynamic. You can't have one without the other um, because they need each other to keep the balance of bully and bullied. Um, but I, I really appreciate that out of all the characters, they they start to grow together through that uh, Budnick and Michael Fake being sick episode, which I'd love to cover later on the podcast, uh, because they, they have a very real moment that not other not many other campers, if any of them get to share, where Budnick, uh, you know, reveals why he's got a chip on his shoulders because his, I think his mom um, has like a boyfriend that he doesn't like and she's like a flight stewardess and it, it, it kind of goes a little bit deeper into a psyche with how he has a distaste for puzzles and he, he keeps people at bay just to kind of shield himself from being hurt again but when he's able to solve the problem of uh, how to get the TV to work and how to unlock the fridge uh, with Michael it's like hey you're not so bad after all you know I used to pick on you a lot for being the new kid but you actually have some some heart and some character that's worth getting to know. And by the end of it, they're practically friends. Um, but we're not here to talk about that episode. I just want to mention how I, I like how they come together and appreciate being each other's yin to their yang uh, between season one and season two. And I do have, I know that Justin is our, uh, our judge for this episode, but I do have a question for Justin. And if he doesn't know Brett, we'll, we'll pass it to you sure. because I I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I don't know as much of the backstory of 
the making of Salute Your Shorts uh, outside of the interviews that I, that we've had with uh, Venus. But do you know why they changed uh, actors, why they changed characters between season one and season two? Yeah, I think that, well, what I've heard um, in interviews was that just, uh... actually, I'm not quite sure. Actually, I'm getting the two confused with him and Eric from Are You For The Dark? Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, actually, yeah, I, I don't know. From my from my understanding, he didn't want to do the show anymore. Uh, I think I think he took some of the acting a little bit too too much to heart, and because it, you know it felt like he was having a rough time on set, um, he just decided not to do it. So they found someone else to fill in for him. Um, okay. Yeah, I briefly had a chance to talk with him directly, actually, over Instagram a couple of years ago when I was doing the salute your short stickers and. He seemed to really like having the memory of being Michael the character, but he he had like a like a distant feeling to him of some of those memories tied to it. So it's it's hard to say exactly for sure, but that's my best guess based on what I'm able to piece together in my conversations of having with him privately. Yeah. Okay. I was just just curious what what led to the cast change there. I didn't um, ever consider why, but. Um... I wonder if he did see any of season two and what his thoughts were about that with if there was any regret like i wish that was me or or yeah he might have been just done all together yeah i i'm kind of curious um because i think he did a few other acting roles before he just went off the grid from acting in general um yeah because i sometimes i imagine what a, a michael season two episode would be like and if he could actually you know, stand in place of Pinsky and it would still work or not based on their personality differences. Yeah, I think he did a really good job with the role that he was given. He really makes you feel that character and relatable. Well, speaking of main character, that's our second category, so I might as well dig a little deeper there. Pepperoni. So, uh, of course, you know, my character of the episode is Michael. He's the everyman kid who comes to camp and He's pretty much like our, our link from The Legend of Zelda, where we, we inject our, a little bit of our personality into him. Uh, although he has a few traits here and there, like he likes Bon Jovi, uh, he's into sports as he's, we see interacting him interacting with Telly. Uh, he shops wherever his mom makes him. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a decent like generic style to his, his fashion sense. And uh, you know, I, I think he's pretty good at making friends for the most part. I actually relate to him as um, kind of the chameleon of a, of a group where you can just kind of alter your, your persona to whoever you're talking with and get along with them, whether it's like Sponge, Donkey Lips, or, you know, the girls. Maybe not so much Budnick for this episode, but later on, even him too. Um, trying to think what else I can say about him. I just think he's all around humble. He's pleasant. Um, you know, if someone kind of pushes him the wrong way, he'll find a way to get back at him, but he'll always do the right thing at the end of the day. I can't imagine how hard it, it was for his character to confess uh, to stealing Telly's glasses uh, in order to prevent an innocent bystander from getting awful waffled, whatever that is. Because, um, you know, he's, he's risking his reputation online, and that's important when you're trying to make a name for yourself, especially in a new surrounding, even if it's summer mm -hmm. camp or even around kids. And while he may have looked like a fool in the moment, at least, you know, Telly had some time to reflect on his, his noble deed and forgive him for that later on. And they, they come to become pretty good friends. And 
uh, we see their friendship developed in select episodes uh, throughout season one, like Cinderella play or even toilet seat basketball where they're playing basketball together. Um, yeah, there isn't really much more to say. I just think he's a kind of a general likable person that's easy to relate to and could be friends with most anyone. And I think his strength is his versatility. Well, for uh, my end of the, the salute your short spectrum, we have Pinsky. And he is, I want to say he's chaotic neutral uh, for the most part. Uh, he's kind of the Jack Sparrow. You don't really know whose side he's on outside of himself. But the thing about Michael and, uh, and, and Pinsky is going back as an adult before I went back and revisited these episodes again and I was just going purely on memory from something that I last saw when I was about eight or nine years old I remembered Telly, Dina ZZ, I remembered Sponge Donkey Lips and Budnick I had a vague memory of Pinsky I had no memory of Michael um, because Michael like you said he was he was kind of designed to be the any kid so that way people could just put themselves in that situation and be able to remember the other and, and how would they respond to this but the problem with doing the any character kid is you make the character fairly boring while you have all the other supporting characters be really strong and since now they have to go with this they went with uh, Pinsky and I think a lot of the traits that made Michael so special you could also find those same traits in other characters within the show so instead of just making another Michael let's make an all new character and I think that was a really smart move because now you have Pinsky who completely changes the dynamic of several characters Budnick especially um, he is a character who will not let anyone get the best of him uh, even though they they may they eventually succeed in some of the later episodes of the season, he's not going to admit defeat, even though he's no he knows he's defeated. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate that. That is definitely a trait that I I've come to take whenever I became an adult. Uh, because when I was a kid, I had a very very poor self image of myself, and I was very easily upset when somebody said anything intentional to hurt my feelings and succeeded uh it wasn't until i became a teenager and my children's pastor was telling me it doesn't matter what people think of you and now going back and watching this episode a lot of the things i mean this this face i have made this expression so many times when people especially in junior high and high school would try to get the best of me and uh, i don't know if i picked it up from from salute your shorts or if i or if it was more my children's pastor who was who was ministering to me, uh, I I want to say it was more the latter. But there was some start here, but uh, I I had to learn how to face people who bullied and would insult and all these things, and learn to just not care. It doesn't matter. Uh, so when Budnick would knock the bed over or would. Uh, try to insult him or try to belittle him and kick him out uh, it's the this in the Uggs bunk this is my bunk I, I own this bunk and who I can decide who stays I can decide who goes and I decide you you leave and Vinsky just didn't care he's like you know what fine but everyone try this salami first 
and uh, even was able to blackmail Ugg, uh, or I'm sorry, bribe Ugg into uh, being able to go back and in with the girls and do all these other things. He just doesn't care. And if he gets caught, fine. He's still not going to let that bother him. But the his spirit is one that we've not seen and is what makes the character far more of a character uh, because now you go back and you can look at this entire ensemble cast and you can see bits and pieces of your personality and one or two other characters. Uh, I I think that if you could combine uh, Telly and Pinsky into one person, that probably would have been more m- myself. Uh, but I didn't see myself as as one character all the way through. And Sponge uh, thrown in there, those three, because there's personality things in all three of them that were were mine but there was no one character that you really latched onto and stuck with i i, I would say most would stick with uh, and especially with the, the the character of michael being a safe place they went with a bold character in season two and uh also as mentioned i love how they changed the budnick uh changed um budnick's uh arc uh, not just now that Michael's gone and he he's lost that connection. Now he has to start fresh anew. But now he's got somebody who's going toe-to-toe with him and in a way is bullying Budnick, but he's bullying him in a way that's not giving Budnick at all what he wants. And Budnick doesn't know how to respond to that because he can he can just get away with it. Uh, one thing that I really liked in um, Michael Goes to Camp, and I wish they had pushed this just a little bit further, uh, because a lot of times, you know how you have those villains where they don't have to raise their voice and scream to be intimidating? Whenever Sponge starts to spray his shirt with ketchup, he just stands there, and he makes no expression. He just stares back. And I was, during that moment, I'm going, oh, boy, you, you've done messed up. And the other ones are laughing in the room, but you're waiting. Once things settle, that's when he's going to strike. I, that's what I got from when he was quiet and just staring. And then he goes into the screaming fit. I'm like, okay, you've lost the threat now. Now you're just a, a, a sniveling child. But if they kept that that quiet anger for the rest of this episode and then had a small payoff at the end, that would have been, that would have been chef's kiss. Uh, I wish we would see more quiet, reserved, angry Budnick more so than just screaming because the screaming is good. But he's he's a schemer, and I, I would like to see that more. But that was all gone here because Pinsky just does not. But yeah. anyway, that that that's all I've got for Pinsky. That was a very rousing speech. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move right along to memorable quotes, which is a oh, pretty fun one that we also did for our mm-hmm. Pete and Pete episode battle back in uh, fall of season three. Um, starting with Michael comes to camp, uh, I'm just going to list a few of these because I I could not stop laughing when I was going through this episode. So many <laughs> so many good one-liners that makes you realize that you know Steve Slavkin just knows his story inside and out, and there's just a lot of quotable things that you can say till today, and it's still hilarious. Um, so I'm going to list off some of the ones that I came up with that really resonated with me throughout this episode. Uh, starting off, we have the food bites, bugs bite, activities bite, everything bites. From Sponge. <laughs> we also have 
I suggest you stand at attention, click your heels, and salute your shorts. Which he also said in title drop <laughs> right before the intro. Um, we've got... Hello and welcome to Bunk 13, 200 miles from the nearest flush toilet. From Budnick, uh, one of many zingers he throws out there in this episode. We also got... I got fantastic reading material. 50 cents I hold it for a buck you can turn the pages. And like, what kind of magazine is that, bud, Nick? <laughs> old dirty magazines or dirty old magazines? <laughs> As they said, it's a Nick the magazine. Nintendo, of course. Power. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> young boys want to read. Um, this one's from Kevin. I mean, sorry, Ugg. Uh, Kevin Ugly. So for the rest of the summer, I'm going to keep an eye on you, and I'm going to keep my other eye on you, and I'm going to keep my other eye. On... Well, let's just say I will be watching you. <laughs> getting all caught up in his head um from michael we have nice shop wherever my mom makes me that's very revealing of his character um here's one dina said we had norwegian salmon oh all the way from norwegian doesn't anybody care <laughs> that stuck out to me because i'm a salmon lover uh dina also says in response to donkey lips being new hero, although it's it's kind of mean, but it, it was funny at the time. Oh, your breath smells like a wet diaper. Just that imagery is very strong. Um, later, Donkey Lips says, Whoa, power puke. Which I, I really like the inflection of him saying that in response to uh, Sponge kind of going off to the side after their, their high past heist. Uh, yeah, just like that. Um, let's see. Oh, and around on our friends. Sorry, Big Bird, go pluck yourself. Another zinger from Budnick when uh, Ugg's trying to find out the culprit. Um, of course, you have. Hey, everybody! It's awful, awful time. That quote's probably bigger than the entire series because everyone knows about it. And then finishing off uh, with a cherry on top, we have. You are roasted, toasted, and, and burnt, burnt to a crisp. Which they repeat in many other season one episodes by Donkey Lips, Budnick, and Sponge, because they all say it during this episode. Well, for uh, the uh, Pinsky comes to camp, uh, we have Budnick going, Hey, Og, where's King Loser? Yeah, of course, referring to Michael. Uh, ZZ had said to Donkey Lips, Shouldn't we say a few words? I'll say something. I got dibbed on his extra dessert. Yay, Donkey Lips. Uh, Pinsky says, Behold, the famous Pinsky salami. The most delicious meat or meat byproduct known to man. Uh, Donkey Lips says to Ugg, How come you got a jock strap on your face? Protection. I guess I don't understand how jock straps work. <laughs> I love One of my favorite visuals of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pinsky says, I don't like rules. And uh, also Pinsky, Come on, let's go get a soda. And some ice for my hand. After he had just uh, attempted to break through the quarantine sign. And uh, last quote is from Budnick. Now I can't sleep. I gotta find out what happened to Pinhead. What is Ugg making him hug a tree? Making him pick up rocks? What? Or did he just kick him out of camp? What I love about that last quote is that um, when Ugg is about to dish out the punishment to Pinsky when he catches him outside the bunk, he's he, he was like, First I'll have you hug a tree. And we're yeah. like, wow, that totally tracks. <laughs> it sounds like but Nick is talking from experience. Yeah, he knows a thing or two about getting into trouble. Uh, for getting into trouble, 
we've got to have some hamper high, camper hijinks in order to get into some trouble. So, <laughs> Brett, what are some hijinks that your campers had? Oh, there's quite a bit in this one. Uh, I mean, starting off, we had got the booby traps in the bunks uh, with, like, all the pies and switches and just all that stuff being dumped on Ugg. I feel so bad for him. He's pretty much like Harry Amar from Home Alone. Like, same exact thing. He would he would fit right in with them. <laughs> that um, whole thing, uh, even though it's, it's very much, uh, we think Home Alone, but what I think of more is Disney's Parent Trap. Oh, uh, yes. Not the Lindsay Lohan one, but the one with Haley Mills, the original one, because they, they had the kids' camp thing, and there was a big food fight, and I think they even booby-trapped their bunks at one point, too. Maybe it's just a thing that, that uh, goes hand-in-hand hand with camp. I've never laid booby traps there, but... Yeah, we haven't either. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we were highly discouraged to do so. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have stealing Telly's glasses, which, according to Budnick, was uh, pretty nasty even for him. Um, framing I flank doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the extent of his, uh, his uh, crimes are at camp. <laughs> Maybe the start off. Um, we also have framing Flankman for broken glasses with the whole awful waffle scene, which to this day, I'm still curious what it is, but it sounds painful. Um, we got Michael wrestling with Budnick on the baseball field, of course, uh, when he's trying to make it to third base, Michael. Uh, Budnick dumping <laughs> a bucket of water on Michael. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you did there, Alex. Um, gross. <laughs> Uh, Ugg's nickname being introduced, of course, uh, as Donkey Lips shouted it out. Ugly, 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 ugly. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you're ugly. Yeah, yeah, you're ugly. We got uh, Dina and ZZ TPing the boys' bunk, which uh, happened at the end credits as an act of revenge for them breaking into their bunks the previous night. Uh, Ugg getting covered with whipped cream, eggs, baked beans, and feathers, as we had mentioned before. Hoisting Michael's shorts up the flagpole to start the trend of the entire series. And, you know, of course, Sponge squirting ketchup all over Budnick uh, in re retaliation after Michael confessed. So quite a lot of stuff going on here for a first episode. And for Pinsky comes to camp, uh, there is dancing in the lodge. Uh, there, uh, Pinsky is uh, feeding everyone his salami, uh, especially trying to... Uh, bribe Ugg at one point, sneaking out of the lodge uh, to get food out of the food pantry. Uh, Pinsky faking back spasms, so Ugg has to carry all of his stuff. Uh, sprays fake uh, ketchup chicken pox onto Ugg's face, blasting loud music to wake Ugg up. Uh, they hoisting, uh, but Nick hoists Pinsky's shorts up the flagpole. Both of our episodes have the prop falling bed uh, for Mike and Pinsky. Um, there, I think both had sneaking out. Yeah, they both had sneaking out at some point. Mm -hmm. um, just to, of course, ours was mine was for the lodge. His was to get back into the other bunk and and sabotage their rooms. Uh, not as much um, in terms of uh, hijinks. But it was mostly just trying to break uh, Pinsky's spirit, uh, more so with uh, trying to gain dominance. So not as much in terms of 
uh, the coming out with a bang like Michael Goes to Camp did. Well, our last category is why my new kit is better because it seemed more fitting than Lasting Appeal. The crush. Uh, so for Michael Comes to Camp, we touched on this a little bit before for main character. Uh, he's a down-to-earth, relatable kid. He's liked by the girl campers. They call him cute. And that even continues into later episodes as Dina develops a crush on Michael. Uh, he's very humble. He's into sports, which he bonds with over Telly over the course of several episodes. He's friends with Sponge, which we also see him take further in future episodes, especially in um, Donkey Lips Loves Dina when they're like DJing together at the dance. Um, he, he tends to keep Budnick in check, with, which I like, which we also mentioned before uh, about his yin to Budnick's yang or vice versa. Um, I would say, I'd say he's better. It, it comes down to just relatability and for really sucking all the kids in to the show when it first came out in 1991 or even in reruns because it had many, many years of reruns on both Nickelodeon and later Nick Gass, uh, its sister channel in the early to mid 2000s. So I think it, it's it, his strength lies in wider appeal that anyone can imagine themselves being at camp with these characters, having fun, getting in trouble, um, going through all these different obstacles to just kind of get through the summer um, after their parents dumping them off. He's um, he has he has a lot of good moments, even if he doesn't necessarily stand out for his personality. But I still find him endearing in his way that he can just get along with any character he interacts with, you know, sooner or later throughout his time on the show. Um, and I think that just boils down to his appeal. And uh, Pinsky, he's he's the cool kid. Uh, Michael was, was liked by the girls, so was Pinsky at first. Uh, the girls even said he has potential. And uh, also, where Michael was good at sports, so was Pinsky. I mean, he threw, he threw out Budnick from the outfield, past the outfield. Uh, nobody should have been able to throw it that far that fast and still be able to catch Budnick out when he was running from third base to home plate. Uh, so that he's got some skill uh, as far as sports goes, with a with a bad back too. With a bad back, <laughs> but he, he he said it comes and goes. But uh, also the the dude should go into politics because he is a master persuader, uh, even able to completely get Budnick to do his bidding, uh, because Budnick could have very I mean, right at the very beginning tells Budnick, "Hey, get that football for me." He could have very easily gotten it himself, and we could all easily see Budnick just saying, no, get it yourself, but he actually caves. Uh, it's a small thing, but it does have some weight because he was still manipulating Budnick at, at this point and um, even just continues to give Budnick a smile constantly. That no-care personality is is very... It's very, I don't want to say poignant, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very, it's 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 a potent, that's the word I was looking for. It's a very potent personality for this episode because no one can get, not even Ugg, uh, which I've already gone in depth with before, so I'm not going to add more to that. But um, as far as why mine is better is uh, Michael is a good character. And, and, I, and by good, I mean he is... I don't want to say he, he's neutral good. 
uh, he, he's not really in chaos. He's not really passive. He's right in the middle of... Uh, he still stay on the good side, but he's not chaos, uh, which is a... Maybe more towards order. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, very much. Uh, he doesn't have a strong personality, but he has strong morals, which is great. And like every kid, every every person, they have good qualities and bad qualities, and sometimes the bad qualities win out, and that happens to Michael in, in this episode, which is a rare thing going through the entire series. But uh, that being said, he's the safest character, which is why for me and I'm sure for a lot of others who haven't seen the show in a long time, the other characters are the one that stand out the most because they have strong personalities and many of them still have those strong morals. Uh, whereas Pinsky has a much stronger personality. He has a stronger character and you're not losing any of those morals because you still have them in those other characters. And he has a, a, an interesting dynamic because you don't know he's someone that you could potentially buy to be on your side. Um, which, whereas Michael, you have loyalty. Pinsky, he's a wild card, uh, which for story structure makes things a lot more interesting uh, because you don't know where his allegiances are going to lie, uh, which can make for some really fun dynamics uh, for future episodes. Uh, so Michael is a bit on the bland side, but high morals. Pinsky makes for a more of an interesting potential story because he's not going to let anyone get to him. He's a master manipulator. And you just don't know whose side he's on. And he still has everyone in his pocket except for Budnick. I would, I would argue that even though Pinsky is good at like getting everyone on his side, Michael can equally do that too, because he's, it's not like aside from Budnick, anyone is his enemy from the get go. He still gets along with, each other, all these all these characters that we get to know throughout the series. Um, naturally, he doesn't really have to force it. And I would say, in counteracting to him being bland, that that may be the the kind of typical response you get from Michael because he doesn't emote too much unless he's like pushed to the edge, which oftentimes uh, Budnick provokes him, um, or he's just trying to stay out of trouble from Ugg. But I would say he's pretty resilient. He puts up with a lot of crap, no, not only in this episode, but in many episodes throughout the series. And he could have just left after Budnick, you know, played one too many pranks on him. And just that was the end of it, of camp. And we just deal with, you know, the three boys and the three girls at their bunks for the rest of the series. But he didn't. He chose to stay. He endured, you know, even another bully, Thud Mackey, in a later episode, uh, Brian's for Thud Mackey. And even with all these challenges that are kind of, an uphill battle for him just surviving camp on Awana for the summer. Something about him has a very quiet confidence that I admire in his ability to kind of stick the path, stay with his within his bounds, but keep going no matter what's thrown at him. Mm -hmm. So even if he may not necessarily be interesting or a wild card in terms of like watching him on TV at home, at least he's like very steady. Um, stable you know he's he's pretty much like the glue that holds the group together uh kind of a background character but also equally important because without him how how do we link all these characters together in this camp experience mm -hmm. which is a fair point but also if we're going for just these two episodes they both get put through quite a bit of a ringer uh, michael is more of the 
it it slowly builds up uh, and he puts up with it whereas Pinsky just throws it right back uh, but he still has to put up with Budnick putting uh, messing with the bunk he still has to put up with Ugg he still has to sneak out and do and of course he's doing it willingly but he still has to put up with uh, trying to get himself out of a problem whenever he's got himself into it uh, the two very different moral compasses but they still have two very different ways that they go about it and in mm-hmm. um, in there, there is a strong parallel, uh, which, of course, the writers knew that. That's why they go through so many of the si- similar arcs. But how do the how do each of these two characters... Let's introduce the character the same way and see how each character does it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like how they do that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're having this debate today, so that we can see what's similar, what's different, and if any one of them are, are worth our time more than the other, or if they just have a longer-lasting legacy. All right. Well, uh, that that was quite a a battle that we waged on on the battlefield there, Alex. Uh, Justin, do you have anything to add before we cut to a commercial break and uh, do our final verdict afterwards? I have nothing to add right now. Speechless, huh? With all the yep. amazing <laughs> facts that we spewed at you. <laughs> He's like, "I'm dead on the field. Just come pick me up and take me away. I'm good." <laughs> Uh, well, um, while, while we freshen up at the showers at camp and get ready for our dinner at the lodge, uh, we're going to cut to a commercial break. So don't go anywhere, Slimesters, because camp is still in session when we get right back. We'll be back with more Salute Your Shorts after this. Mm, that looks tasty. Pete and Pete, Roundhouse, Red and Stimpy, Hey Arnold, Welcome Freshman, Gullah Gullah Island, and that's just the main timeline episodes. We still have our exclusive season on Patreon and our Minisode series. Season 4 has been a lot of fun covering Nickelodeon and Boy Meets World. The slime tank is so full and running on all cylinders that the slime is beginning to overflow. In true Splat Attack fashion, we are ending our season with our season overview. Tune in next week for the closing of season four as we transition into our fifth season. Get your wieners and enter puppet land. Wienerville is turning 30. Get ready to hear about Boney, Dottie, Socko, and more. We are joined by Mark and Max Wiener once again, along with Ray Abruzzo, David Jordan, and fans Manny, Kylie, David, and Amy. You will only find this episode on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash splatattack to get access to a full season of exclusive episodes as well as our previous seasons. While you're here, please hit the like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. If you are using a podcast app, please leave us a review. These simple actions make a huge impact on our channel as we strive to continuously provide nostalgic entertainment. Get ready to be wienerized, and we will see you in Wienerville. And now, back to Salute Your Shorts. Alrighty, so we're all, we're all freshened up and we're ready to head into the lodge for our delicious dinner uh, and find out the final verdict of who wins this exciting epic episode battle. But before we do that, Justin, would you like to give us your breakdown of the points for each category and form your final verdict for us, please? Yeah, so we're going to start with the story, mm-hmm. and 
I will just give you the breakdown before I give you my choice. Um, so I think that with Michael comes to camp, they do a really good. That's a lot of responsibility. A first episode, you have to you have to set the tone to be watchable and pull everybody in. Um, you get all of the character development. Um, we get to meet everybody. We get to understand who runs camp, whose role is what in camp. We get a lot of hijinks. There's a lot of content in that first episode. It's just a never-ending ride. Um, and I think I think it's one of the best series openers in in child in children's television. I think it's just so so good. Um, I've heard musicians say this before, and it's it's. I think it applies here. Um, when asked about the success of albums and and creating an album, they say that you have your whole life to make that first album, and you have a couple months to make that that sophomore album. So you get to change and create and put all this in the. And I feel like that the first the first episode is just so good at doing that. Uh, on the flip side, I think the season two uh, first episode they don't need to revisit that they're not relying on telling you who these people are they're pretty much just introducing a new character and making honestly the best of a bad situation with losing one of your star actors uh, anybody coming into that role would have a tough ta- time replacing like a beloved character um, I think they do that as well as possible I think the story is very good. There's so much in this in that episode that I just it's it's iconic television for me. But um, with what I was saying about the first episode and how much story, how much they cram into that first episode, so that you know who these people are, and you know what you're in store for for the rest of the season, I'm gonna have to give it to Michael comes to the camp just because it's so packed full with with development. So that goes one to Sir Michael. So main character. I just want to look at my notes real fast. Um, just describing their character, basically, uh, who they are as a person. I am going to give that to Pinsky. Pepperoni. I'm going to give that to Pinsky because I feel like he what I just said earlier with him being kind of in a hole replacing someone you already care about Michael's a great character he's so relatable he's part of the reason that I love the show because I'm like yeah he's not having a good time outside either the bugs are biting it's miserable got kids bullying him I feel like Michael could have been a background character invited to come sit with the cool kids and say hey you know it could have been anybody at camp that was being bullied that eventually people were like hey he's all right you know he's not bad come sit with us because he's so even killed and not very dynamic of a character he could have been a background character all the likability and stuff that could have been anybody at camp um he's the every every kid and i think that he does that well but then you got pinsky who comes in and he has to fit into a system that's already established you know the hierarchy at camp budnick running things he had to fend for himself and really make a name for himself and he came out there swinging literally he came out there saying, like, this is my camp. And I think another thing personality-wise that we didn't get in season one is, you know, because we had Budnick pretty much running the show. He had Ugg around his finger. He had Sponge battling him with wits. 
He had, you know, Telly being athletic and trying to get the best of him that way. Dina with her looks and trying to woo him. Um, everybody had their little bit of personality that they could never get the best of Budnick. Then you got this kid that comes and he out Budnick's Budnick. Like that is, that's dynamic. So as a character, I'm going to give it to Pinsky just because of single-handedly what his character brought in entertainment value to the show. Because we've not, we've never seen Budnick not know what to do. And he, he totally, he totally changed the game on Budnick. He was thrown off his game too. Mm-hmm. And then next we have camper hijinks, hijinks and activities. So this was a tough category. I wanted to give it a tie because the first episode with Michael coming to camp, there's nothing but hijinks. We have the, you know, we call it like ribbing, like the, the jokes, the practical jokes, earning your spot, like tars and feathers, all the classic tropes of hijinks are in that episode. Um, it does it very well. But <laughs> when it comes to hijinks and memorability, like I said, Pinsky disrupt the system that was there. Like the campers all were in their comfort zone knowing, hey, Budnick's out of control, but you know, we'll, we'll get through this. Pinsky comes and takes Ugg and turns him almost into a lackey just because he has he has some cured meat. <laughs> um, he, uh, the dancing and singing at night, like he pretty much took this camp and said, "I'm, I'm the captain now." <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I think, I think hijinks for sheer volume, you'd have to go with Michael. But mm-hmm. for the audacity of this kid coming in here breaking curfew, sneaking food into camp, making him carry his stuff. Like everybody's thrown off. Like, who is this? We recycled Michael and made him better. I think, I think yeah, I have to go with Pinsky on that as well. <laughs> so we got two for Pinsky. Now we're on to memorable quotes. This was a tough one too. This was, this was very tough. Um, because the line in Pinsky's episode where Donkey Lips said he doesn't understand how jock straps work. That just <laughs> kills me every time. I never I just, knew how jock straps work until my father explained it to me for baseball. I'm like, I'm not wearing that. Can I just wear regular underwear? <laughs> but however, though, if we're gonna go and put these two against each other, the lines that we get in the first episode with Michael. Uh, the awful waffle, the roasted toasted. We just get the iconic ones. There's just so many, so many heavy hitting ones in that episode. Uh, which I think that that the verbiage, the language that they use, is kind of the charm of that show. Those those quotes, and I think they kicked it off really strong. There's some very good quotes in the in the Pinsky episode too. But I, I would have to go that with that. So Michael comes to camp. Bell peppers. Just because it's it's just the groundwork. It's the it's the iconic letting you know, and the, and you get them from everybody too. Every everybody in that episode gets a, gets to shine pretty well. So we got two to two, and we're going out with why my new kid is better. Okay, I've said this for all the categories. If you 
didn't didn't ask me to be the judge. If you just said, hey, Justin, who do you like better? I'd say Penske if you just gave me no second to think about it just because I think he's a more dynamic character. However, I think Michael would make a better friend. I would like to be around Michael more. I think Camp would be a little bit more because I don't like excitement in my life. Like there's there's a time and place for the sociability and stuff, but I like it to be pretty quiet and orderly. I don't like... Mm-hmm. I don't want people keeping me up dancing all night. Yeah, imagine <laughs> so that I, happened every day. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, like a week into this, I'd be like, Ronnie, would you knock it off? Come on, man. We just want to sleep. Could you see a doctor about that? <laughs> I think I think Pinsky coming to camp, I think, is more interesting with what he brought to the thing. And the reason I would kind of want to give it to Michael, which I'm not, I'm going to go with Pinsky, is because... Michael has never made me not like him. I've been like, okay, man, like stop whining. It's not that bad. But that's kind of like the relatability. Mm-hmm. But when Pins, I know we're not talking about separate episodes, but um, Pinsky and Spudge's Gazette is the most toxic character and almost made me like not like him at all. I'm like, <laughs> this guy was, this guy was cool at first, but he's a he's pretty much a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think if you just isolate. Not not the episodes, nothing to do with the episodes, but who would you rather have at camp? Who makes life more interesting? I don't think I don't think there's enough to say that Michael brings something that somebody else at camp doesn't. I mean and Pinsky Pinsky, the thing about that too when Alex was talking about the bullying and stuff and Pinsky gave me and probably a lot of others the blueprint for how to handle a bully. You can ignore, and it's, it's not easy, and people get under your skin, but you give that bully satisfaction, and you take that away, you're taking away all the power. So I think that as a character really shows a lot, because for the first season, 12, 13 episodes, or whatever it was, we're, everybody's just getting abused and berated by Budnick. Like, nobody can stop this guy, so everybody just kind of deals with it. He does loosen up later, I think, um, from the from the sick episode, and in season two, he gets a softer side too, as he starts, I don't know, going through puberty and liking girls or whatever, chilled him out. But I think I think maybe Pinsky coming in and hitting him and saying, listen, you need to chill out. This isn't, you're not the top dog anymore. I think that really humbled Budnick and gave him some more um, mm. depth as a character too. So I think I think Pinsky, uh, Pinsky brings a lot more to the table as far as a single character. Um, so I'm gonna give him that category too. They crush. So three to two. Pinsky. And I tried my best to not be a Pinsky, a Pinsky uh, Homer, and just be like, we I have really a want winner. To... The cool kid wins. I get it. <laughs> well, I feel like Michael. Michael was who I was, and 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 Pinsky, who is who I would like to be, and I don't think anybody making a tv show is about me as a kid would have been that interesting so i want to i want to see the zach morris i want to see the whoa he's really doing that like i think i think he brings a lot to the table but storyline wise and a lot of the quotes and everything definitely go to season one but i'm like it's like it's like they're both they're both exceptional episodes in different Mm -hmm. ways yeah it's like one is one or two points better than the other like mm-hmm. just edges out. It's not like a clean sweep. 
And surprise, surprisingly, with all the episode battles and verses we've had on this podcast, not one of them was a complete shutout. Like all of them were like one or two points within each other. So it just goes to show you the quality of television that we experienced growing up is, uh, you know, very balanced. Um, needless to say, I actually designed this episode with who got paired up with what episode based on our relatability because I related to Michael more than Pinsky. And I feel like Pinsky is very much a cool character, very much like Alex's because I'm the stuffy one. <laughs> so there you go. Well, thank you. I, I I appreciate that. Well done. Well done. So I'm shaking yes. with the other hand. Here we go. Left hand. Uh, go, well, An well. Another another notch in your victory belt. I've won like maybe one in all of the verses and episode battles we've had so far. <laughs> That's okay. It's all in good fun. <laughs> I was trying really hard to not make it a tie because I could have gave three of those categories ties. But as you guys were talking, I was like leaning one way and then you guys are pulling me in another way. And I'm, it's just, it's it's too good of a debate. It's amazing how many times that's happened, Justin. Yeah. We've had several times when uh, there would be, oh, that'll be Queen Sweet, Clean Sweep for this one. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. A uh, little uh, crap. Yeah, even with our previous episode, um, Watcher's Woods versus Welcome Camp Nightwear, I thought I was going into it judging with like Watcher's Woods just taking over everything. And then I realized, oh, wow, there's a lot of depth to this particular one that other Goosebumps episodes don't have. So it ended up being a tie because of the way they brought their A-game in the in the conversation. It, these, these episodes really surprise us when we do these formats. Yeah, especially when we have uh, certain criteria and we take away our uh, take our nostalgia goggles off and look at it objectively. Mm -hmm. Some really good content here. I got a question for you, Justin. If you were designing this episode battle, what sixth category would you put in as a tiebreaker if this theoretically tied? Mm. So without even thinking about it, the first thing that popped into my head would have been supporting cast, but mm -hmm. that doesn't do anything to differentiate, differentiate between Michael and Penske. Yeah. Um, or maybe relationship to Budnick. <laughs> oh, man. You know what I love about the show are the interactions with Ugg? So I might want to see who has the better interactions with Ugg, like the more memorable interactions. That's with good. Him. Yeah, I like that. I like that, too. Want to take it to sudden death? <laughs> Best use of classical music. Yes. <laughs> Off the top of my head without hearing any debate, I think if you just said what's who has the better interactions with Ugg, playing piano while he sits on the couch eating salami I don't, I don't know <laughs> i don't know that michael's ever done anything that cool you know no. i do like uh Ugg's relationship with michael when the thug thug mackie video uh in that episode because he's really kind of like feeling bad like oh man i don't want i don't want to lose another camper and he's he's concerned about michael and supportive but nothing that's like highlight reel in my head about like like pinsky especially just in that first episode alone he he does so many things with Ugg that's just like I want to I want to see more of this kid and what he's going to do to the season. Well, that was a pretty good episode battle. As uh, Alex celebrates by by uh, having a, <laughs> I'm giving a very intimate a, a very intimate. Jeez, uh, I can't even think of something witty. I'm that I'm that bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's just go into our episode <laughs> ratings because I can't think of anything better to say. Um, uh, Justin, what do you give each of these episodes on our splat attack scale? This is an easy. This is the easiest you've made my job all night. Uh, <laughs> both episodes, I'm giving triple S. I love awesome. them. Awesome. They're top tier in my book. 
both of them. Interesting. Alex? Uh, both of these episodes are not in my absolute, I love instant favorites for me, but they're they're in the upper echelon of, of uh, um, Salute Your Shorts for me. Uh, I give both of these the same rating, and I really like how season one came out swinging, and as uh, Justin had said earlier, uh, really fleshed out almost every character from the get-go, and uh, it was breakneck pace, and then season two really parallels that one, but now with a new character, and how does he interact with all these characters, which I thought was very, very smart. I give both of these episodes a double S. Interesting. So high markings for both of you guys so far. Uh, <laughs> well, my ratings are going to be uh, a little bit off the beaten trail, because... Um, for Michael Comes to Camp, that really left a strong impression on me as a kid. And I guess I really related a lot to Michael, even though I'm also equally part Sponge and ZZ for their love of technology and nature. Um, but I, I always felt like I can, I can handle camp no matter who, could, who got in my way when I went to Boy Scout camp based on Michael's interactions. And he even ended up disarming Budnick in later episodes. Um, a lot of great... A lot of great quotes. You got the awful waffle scene. You got Ugg being uh, tarred and feathered in that in that whole crazy Rube Goldberg machine trap thing, which I, I love, especially with the can-can music that's playing in the background. It's just <laughs> perfect with that accent of the duffel bag kicking him out. Oh, it's it's very satisfying to rewatch over and over again. Also because this episode laid the groundwork for the entire series and did such a solid job of doing so, I'm going to give it a double S. It's it's one of my I wouldn't say it's in my top five because I really nitpick with those since I love Salute Your Shorts as as a series. Like it's it's hard for me to like really create a like a top five or a top ten list with this show because they're all great. But if I have to split hairs, this would be like hovering around number five, number six for me. And um I would say Pinsky comes to camp is a little bit lower. I'm going to give that a splatsalent, which is an A, which is no slouch of a rating on our scale. But I just found Pinsky a little bit on the annoying side, like a little bit too arrogant and less confident uh, just because he's he comes out of nowhere. He he turns camp up upside down on its head, which I'm kind of a creature of habit. I don't like when chaos is thrown at me. <laughs> So um, it, it, it kind of got on my nerves to just see everyone bow down to him as if he's the new mm -hmm. king of Camp Anawana without a second thought. And that ending with how Budnick was like, I just don't get it. And he walks away with the shorts gimmick backfiring on him. That really made me feel really down after it. Like I empathize with Budnick because he's like dethroned from his, his top totem pole position here after he worked so hard to get all the kids under him. That's not to say bullying is encouraged or even good because it's not, but for his specific character and how I've warmed up to him over the entire series, it was it was a little bit of a letdown. So I got to knock it a few points for that. But even so, you know, the salami, come on. That's, that's so hilarious and slightly inappropriate. You got the piano playing scene, which I just love. I got up and danced when I saw that too because Pinsky plays a mean blues rag and um, you got him just kind of making that power power pitch from the middle of nowhere as he's entering camp. I mean, what an entrance. So um, I'm going to keep that like a high A splat slint for that reason. 
Well, I mean, even then, we don't. We A is still really high rank, a high rank for us. The yeah. S is just you're you're now in my favorite territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like iconic yeah. legendary territory. Yeah. I feel like um, since I love the show so much, I would have a hard time giving anything in my top seven or eight less than a triple S, just because I love mm-hmm. those episodes so much. Um, and when you were when you were talking about Michael and stuff, it got me thinking more uh, about the uh, Michael being the, the everyman more. Um, I was picturing him like a Doug, like from yeah, mm-hmm. very much. Pinsky's like uh, Smash Adams. Yes, <laughs> the cooler version of Doug. You well, wish you he's, wanted. He's all of he's all of Doug's insecurities with the volume turned up. He's the cool like cooler version of like he takes all the weaknesses, perceived weaknesses, and makes them strengths. Um, so they're they're both iconic. I mean, Michael walked so that Pinsky could dance. There's no Pinsky without Michael. So mm-hmm. I, I think the fact that they are so dynamically different, there's no oh my god, look at Pinsky. If there wasn't the here's our reliable reliable safety blanket, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like it'd be a totally different story if this episode bell was like Pinsky or Flankman. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> But uh, no, these are these are pretty, pretty close um, characters that each have their own strengths, even if people perceive them differently. So all in all, go rewatch the episode. Salute Your Shorts is amazing and always needs more love. Alrighty, with that being said, uh, while Alex hugs a kitten, we're gonna play Think Fast to Make the Grade, which is one of our favorite trivia segments. Time to think fast to make the grade. So thank you guys. Know some Salute Your Shorts episodes. I'm going to test your Anawana knowledge in this trivia game. Uh, thanks to Dr. Khan, who sponsored these trivia questions. <laughs> uh, so for anyone who doesn't know how this works, I'm going to ask a few questions to our guests and Alex. And whoever has the most points at the end is declared the winner just for bracket rights. Um, these for for this segment specifically the points are going to increase with the difficulty so the first question is going to be pretty easy the last question is going to be much harder so it's going to really really test your your knowledge of this show okay starting off for one point hands on your brothers what is michael's last name hug yeah justin that's that's not the answer he was was buzzing he was buzzing yeah um his full name is actually michael mush mush stein (laughs) <laughs> yes, Mush Mush from Brownies for Thud Mackey. <laughs> That's great. One point for you. All right, question two for two points. What does Ugg offer as a reward to find out who set the trap he fell into and Michael comes to camp? Meow. Alex? Uh, it was a, a milkshake and pizza every night <laughs> for, for the rest of camp. The person who tells who did this to me. That is correct. Two points for Alex. Are you guys? Are you guys on, Are you guys going to snitch on your friends for a milkshake and a pizza? No, no. Uh, you guys it's are tempting. Than me. <laughs> it's tempting, but no. It depends on the type of pizza. I would. I would go for barbecue chicken pizza. Oh, what? What? <laughs> Same. Um, question three. Three points. How did Ugg get his nickname, and who gave it to him? Ugh. 
Justin? It was uh, given to him by Donkey Lips when they were they said his last name as the counselor, and Don- uh, Donkey Lips starts chanting it. That is correct. Three points for Justin. Very close game so far. Question four for three points. How many chicken pox does Sponge first guess Michael has when he'll return to camp in the Pinsky Comes to Camp episode intro? I remember hearing it. Um, Five seconds. I don't want to hit. I remember what Sponge said. 40. There's less than 50. 47. 47. Alex, you got a number? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah! Justin got it! Although Michael never does come back, so good job. Three points for you, Justin. Uh, and there's a bonus part to this one, so Alex, you can still catch up if you get this one right. So, for two points, bonus. How many chicken pots does Dina first guess? Meow. Yes. Uh, she said 35. That is correct. Two points for Alex. Because I thought that was hilarious. Anybody want a side bet? 35! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she jumped yeah. in quick. <laughs> All right. Question five. Four points. What did ZZ make to remember Michael by? Boop. Um, Justin? Yeah. She, uh, ZZ made him, or was going to make him, uh, like, a, put his picture in a locket. That she, of course, was going to use like a milk carton or something. Yep. You got it. Four points. Alrighty. So far, the score is Alex 4, Justin 10. Making it competitive. Question 7. Or wait. Sorry. Question 6 for four points. What is Ugg wearing on his face to protect himself <laughs> from getting chicken pox from the campers? Yeah. This is. Oh. Alex got it because he, he buzzed in. Not raised his hand. Sorry. Alex. Uh, it's a jockstrap. Of course. COVID approved, <laughs> too. I, I wrote in the answers a jockstrap parentheses. I hope it's clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Four points for Alex. Question five. I mean, sorry. Question seven for five points. Uh, what is Pinsky doing with the girls at the lodge at night? Ooh, me. Me, me. Justin. <laughs> he is, well, what he's doing with the girls, he is playing the piano. They are dancing. And that is and, correct. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So we got five more points to there. Uh, bonus for this one as well for three points. See so who can get it. Um, what is Ugg doing there while at the lodge? Yeah. Oh, me. Oh. Alex, you got it slightly more. Slightly uh, quicker. He- he was eating the salami. Yep. That is right. Three points for Alex. Alrighty. Question eight. Only two questions left. What is Pinsky holding when Ugg catches him raiding the lodge pantry? Oh, Zoom. Uh, <laughs> Justin. Um, that's, that's when he had the, um, the fruit, the, uh, Watermelon and bananas. That is correct. Five points. Last question for seven points. How many shorts does Budnick hoist up the flag for Michael, and what color are they? Oh. Meow. Alex. Uh, Michael, it was just one pair. 
and they were green. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Okay. I said green with red because there's a little red trim on it, but oh, it's man. mostly green. Good enough. I wouldn't. I would never would have got the red. Uh, the answer. I don't know the colors, but I think there were five pair in the Pinsky episode. It's funny you say there, that because there were five for that one. That's the bonus one. <laughs> Do you know the colors? <laughs> I have no idea. I just no. I'll give Six. you. There were six total if you count Michael's. Yes. Okay, so I'll give you half since you didn't mention the color. So that's three and a half. Okay, so the final t tally for this very intense Think Fast to Make the Grade is Alex has 18 points and Justin has 23 and a half. Nice. What? Congratulations. I think you uh, got a new high score for Think Fast to Make the Grade on this podcast. <laughs> Impressive. Nicely done. I've, I've watched these two episodes an embarrassing, embarrassing <laughs> amount of times. That's okay. I'm right there up, up there with you. They're, you they're you are so in, you're in light company, Justin. Mm -hmm. Well, that was, a, that was a really fun round of that segment. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, let's just jump into our closing question because I believe Aug is on our tail and uh, we might be kicked out of camp unless we say something real quick. So closing question for all you Slimesters listening out there. Which Salute Your Shorts camper do you prefer and why? Write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at splatattackpodcast. You could also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is splatattackpodcast of the same name. Uh, we're almost at a thousand subscribers there, so if you could do us one little favor and hit the subscribe button, and even tell a friend to hit the subscribe button too, we can hit our threshold and do a whole bunch of new stuff for you guys that will make our podcast much more engaging and exciting. We also actually have a Patreon too, um, where we have a ep uh, bonus episode of Salute Your Shorts, The Cursed Skull, which we did with Justin before, and two other guests, Dan and Andrew of BOC, which was a lot of fun. And we got tons of other great bonus content there in addition to bonus episodes, such as gag reels, bloopers, uh, audio-only episodes, live streams, Gakoid's choice voting for future episode topics. It's, it's a lot of great stuff. So if you really love this podcast and want to take your support to the next level, just head on over there to patreon.com slash and uh, pick the tier that best fits your budget. Uh, you could also buy some merch from us on our bonfire page at bonfire.com slash store. We recently added like a good six to eight new designs there. So check them out. It's, it's a lot of fun. We've been getting a lot of positive reception, especially with like our roundhouse shirts. We got some Are You For The Dark shirts now. We've got Double Dare, Clarissa Explains It All, Stick Stickly. Even Wacky Dingo, which is uh, based off of our Splatattack original shorts, which we're hopefully going to do a few more of uh, down the line. So if any of those appeal to you, definitely head over there and grab a shirt or a mug. Thank you again, Justin, for joining us today. This was so much fun visiting Camp Anawana during camp season. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Be plug. <laughs> is there anything you'd like to <laughs> plug before we go? Maybe the lights? <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, I always, I always plug you guys because everybody that is watching this knows why you're here. And these two are like, the archive of Nickelodeon history. I mean, between Alex, Alex has every clip known to man. Um, every, you guys are just hitting this this nostalgia feel good from every single uh, angle, audio, video, art, 
it's it's all there you guys know check out the patreon plus if if you aren't aware of the merch that they've been talking about if you can think of any iconic nickelodeon soundbite or, or moment of a show there's a shirt for it now i've seen them all they're all insane i wish i could buy them all right now um and, and outside of plug two um outside of the show is uh michael bauer on instagram has been uh in the last week or so talking about selling off some stuff from uh from his career um different things from salute your shorts um he's really doing some things too uh, there's i saw today on instagram he posted for san diego comic comic con there's a nick at nightclub where they're going to be doing all this like 90s nick nostalgia stuff so the community is thriving right now and uh i've had some good conversations with michael and he's just a good guy and he he could use some support too so if you guys like any of this anybody watching this i mean support it if you wanted to stay around we've been hoping for something like this for 30 years to have like-minded people and supporting the community is the way to keep it going definitely thank you so much for the kind word justin and, and we agree we hope he does well with you know whatever endeavors he's pursuing especially with the nostalgia related ones and salute shorts ones that he's doing and uh, you know maybe we'll have him on the podcast down the road too wish him all the best all right tune in next time slimesters when we return to the slimes tank uh, dial down the ooze flow and kick back to look back at this past season with our season four overview. While we don't normally have guests on these types of episodes, it's still worth tuning in to see the journey that we've experienced, as it'll have all the season's content compressed into a single podcast sitting. We'll be covering our bonus episodes, our Patreon episodes, our main timeline episodes, and minisodes, so there's definitely plenty to discuss and enjoy from the stopgap on the way to season five. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, we did a double dose of bonus episodes on Patreon this season, and it's amazing that I'm I'm still alive after editing all that stuff. So you're going to want to tune in just to hear the journey that we took from season three to season four. It, it, it was intense. Uh, until then, Alex, will you drain the slime tank for us, please? I got to return these glasses to Telly before she finds out I took them from her bunk last night. I was actually wearing them the whole time. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> aye, co-captain. Now beware of Ugg, unless you have salami in your pocket. He's going to be hot on your tail, hot on your tail tonight. Got it covered. Pinsky, come with me. You distract him while Sponge documents our expedition with his uh, video camera. Slash you later, Slimesters. <laughs> It's dark out there. Beware of Zeke the plumber. Ah, uh, uh, Zeke! Get away from me with that plunger! No! No! Ah! <laughs> Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. <laughs> I reckon it's time for me to go. I'm glad that's over. Now for a peaceful night's sleep. Well, that's something for now. Yeah, we gotta catch a train. Since I'm going home, you can't my project. It's a tweezer holder. All right, guys. Let's go fly. How long have we been away? Woo! See you soon. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Awful Awful Time. Ugly. 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 I'm thinking, first I'll have you hug a tree. I can't believe you got that hit. Oh, thanks. That was a good pitch. I'm talking the hit on Budnick. Bam, right in the nose. <laughs>
Well, I know you guys probably got this bed right. So I guess I'll take this one over here. Budnick, it's gonna take a lot more than that to get rid of me. Quarantine? No more.